Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to another episode of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour. We are in Wisconsin week for Ohio State, but it seems all anyone can talk about, both with the Buckeyes and outside of Buckeye Nation, is what's going on up at Michigan and the sign-stealing scandal that's kind of captivated the college football world. We're going to get into that. We will talk some Wisconsin as well. Um, at the end of the show, I'll be joined by Dave Biddle of Bucknuts to chat with me about what he sees with the Badgers. But first, we're going to dive into this Michigan situation, and we bring in Alejandro Zuniga of our Michigan website, the Michigan Insider. Alejandro, I'm going to be honest. I am already pretty sick of this Michigan talk. Um I realize that most people aren't because, as uh, Josh Pate pointed out on his show today, he went to the Bucknuts message board, and there were 13 threads about either Michigan or Jim Harbaugh and one about the Wisconsin game on Saturday. Uh, how, are, how are you feeling about all this and, and your coverage of the situation? Um, well, first of all, I, I appreciate this being a, a happy hour-themed show. Uh, I've got some spotted cow here. Nice. Uh, new Glarus beer that I'm sure you and uh, many Ohio State fans will be enjoying this weekend up in Madison. Um, And for Michigan, it's a bye week, right? So if it's 13 threads to one, if that's the ratio of of sign-stealing allegations to actual football, uh, just imagine what it's like over on the Michigan Insider where there is no football game really to talk about. Uh, It is is pretty much 100%, uh, and it has been a, a very long week, and the week's not over. And there's no football, at least for Michigan's perspective, uh, for another ten days or so. So it's uh, uh, it's been a it's been a week. Yeah, I can imagine. And 
for people tuning in live here or those who are listening to the podcast version of this show, um, if you're looking for emotional, angry, mad at Michigan, uh, I'm not going to do that. I don't think Alejandro is, though you're welcome to, Alejandro. Uh, there's been plenty of that this week. You can find it on Twitter. You can find it on message boards. You can find it on uh, one of our shows earlier this week, and, and that's not a slight. That's just is what it is. Um, we're going to talk facts. We're going to talk our opinion on things. We're not going to get over the top with uh, with emotion for this one. So, Alejandro, I want to start back when this first kind of started to leak out. Um, what were your initial thoughts when you first heard about these allegations, probably before you knew the name Connor Stallions, or at least most people did. But what, what did you think initially when when this started to kind of emerge as a possible story? Sure. Um, first of all, I, I knew the name Connor Stallions, um, okay. not necessarily associated with this, but um, yeah, he, he's a he's a person I know. Uh, so I, I mean, he's now like the world's most popular person. It feels like in the college football world. But yeah. I mean, th- this all began be before the Michigan State game last week, right? And and for Michigan, I mean, Michigan's had this game circled or had that game circled for a year, um, given what happened at the Big House Tunnel last year. Um, so, so you start hearing kind of like some percolating rumors that oh, something's coming, something's coming. We don't know exactly what. Uh, and then, and then the news breaks, and I first reaction, and it's it, it's it almost feels like a year has passed since last. Wednesday or Thursday, right? Because it's like, it's been this drip, drip, drip of information. Um, I, it seems like most of what we know now sort of happened back. Like, it's not like there's been a ton of substantive additions to at least like the facts that they, as they've been presented, it's, it feels like all the initial information, uh, has kind of persisted throughout a week, but I mean, it's it, from my perspective, right? It was a serious allegations. Um, B it, it, it's a bad look. Um, and, and it's a look that I feel like a lot of sports fans, whether or not, you know, you know, the specifics of what college football rules are, it it's one that doesn't portray, uh, an institution that likes to portray itself. Well, it doesn't portray that institution. Well, um, so I, I mean, from my perspective, and I think from a lot of us over on, on the Michigan side, it was like, okay, this has come out, but we've got a rivalry game in, you know, a day or two, that's going to be our sole focus. Um, and since then, you know, the game happened. Uh, there were lots of signs made about it that I saw in East Lansing last weekend. Uh, but the news has persisted. And, and of course, the the focus has shifted, you know, from a coverage perspective on, on our side, um, from the fan base's perspective, it's gone from, okay, there's this huge rivalry game to, oh, crap, like, now what? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you know Connor Stallions. What in what way? How do you how do you know the guy who's you said most popular? I would say potentially infamous, depending on how. Yeah, this notorious. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe popular isn't the right word there. Yeah. But. What 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 did you know about him? How do you know him? Kind of give the background there. I mean, so it's not like I, I had a, like a strong relationship with sure. him. Already. We we DM'd a couple times because I as as I'm sure you do as well, as someone gets added to staff at, at the program that you cover, you follow them, you know, you keep an eye on, on what they're doing, what they're saying, because that's part of the job. Right. Um, I, I do know, and as has come out since then, like this is a guy who was very much a, a Michigan football super fan, uh, someone who was very invested in the program, even from before the time that he was officially a, a paid member of staff. Right. So 
as I'm sure your readers or listeners are aware, like this is a guy who would pay his way to go to every single Michigan football game. Um, this is a guy who it turns out was Airbnb in his house. Uh, so he could pay for airfare and, you know, maximize his opportunities to, um, you know, to, to be associated with the Michigan football program. Uh, and then of course got added officially to staff, um, I believe last year. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, people say low level, low level staffer, and he was like an assistant analyst or something like that. So, you know, by name, uh, certainly not someone who's rising up to the level of assistant coach or something like that. Um, but someone who is on staff, uh, someone who, you know, people do know of, I guess. And, you know, we've had Sam Webb, um, you know, who, who runs our site over at the Michigan Insider, like he's talking to Devin Gardner, former Michigan, quarter, Michigan quarterback. And, and he knew Connor Stallions because Connor Stallions, before he was a staff member, was showing up everywhere. Um, so I think, you know, the people who knew him and the people who know him um, know him in that capacity of someone who really, really cared, uh, someone who worked really hard and found his way on staff. And of course, now we, we have allegations of what's happened since then. Right. Um, but that's kind of how people knew Connor Stallions. Okay. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was kind of how I thought of it. You know, there's certainly certain people within the Ohio state fan base that are similar and, and whatnot. And it's just, it sounds like this guy was able to, have something that the Michigan program valued beyond just being a fan, right? He, he provided, you know, not necessarily what has happened, but he, he had something that may, that was like, okay, why not add this guy to the staff? Am I reading that correctly? I mean, I, do I know exactly like what the factors were that were like, got him added to staff? Like, no. Um, but as we saw, I believe in the Washington post story yesterday, like he's a guy who, uh, came to Michigan coaches or he claims to have come to Michigan coaches saying, Hey, like I've been watching X, Y, and Z Michigan opponents on TV and here are their signs. Um, and that, I mean, that's what, that's what he was saying. That's what he's claiming, at least per that Washington post article. And of course that theoretically would be legal um, by NCAA rules. Um, so if, you know, if this is someone who is coming to Michigan staff saying he's a value add and is being a value add and has since been added to staff and continues being a value add in, in that capacity. I and mean, that's kind of how I see it, right? Like programs have numerous numbers of analysts um, for who do various different tasks. Um, and this is someone who it appears came to Michigan staff before he was an employee um, and was saying, or at least claiming to be contributing value and, you know, working his tail off, uh, whether, you know, whether that was totally above board or not and, and getting, you know, getting added to staff eventually. So as more information, more reporting has occurred on this, um, from your perspective, how is what you initially thought maybe changed to where you are today after reading stuff, probably doing your own digging on some things, kind of where do you stand on this whole situation as we sit here on Thursday, October 26th at 2.12 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time with the possibility that more news will come out here in the future. Sure. Hey, it, it does feel like, and I was I was joking to our, our Michigan State beat writer uh, as we do our Behind Enemy Lines show every week. And as the Mel Tucker stuff broke, it's like you have to give the timestamp of when it's being re recorded oh, yeah. because things can change between this moment and you know even 20 minutes from now, right? Um, I, I think my perspective 
I, it, it varies, right? I, I think there are a couple factors at play here. Um, number one is that there, there's this, a lot of Michigan fans who want to say it's nothing. And there's a lot of everyone else who want to say, you know, death to the program and, you know, it's time for the death penalty or something along those lines. Yep. The reality as it always is with these discussions is probably somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I perceive it at this moment um, is that Connor Stallions and potentially others, um, but probably led by Connor Stallions was doing something to decode opponent signals that was probably whether that was explicitly against the rules or against the rules as they, you know, from like a a moral perspective, right? Like against the spirit of the rules Mm -hmm. Um, that, that they were doing something um, that was probably overstepping the line of at least the very moral of the rules and potentially and probably um, against how the rules are written. Um, Whether that implicate or whether, Jim Harbaugh, whether other like higher level staff members were aware, I'm not sure of. I would tend to think that Jim Harbaugh himself was probably, you know, not directing it. Um, But that's not to say that if that occurred, that Jim Harbaugh and the program aren't responsible, right? As, As the head coach, you have to have responsibility for what goes on in your program, whether or not you knew of it, um, it is not necessarily the question, right? If it happened, you were supposed to be aware of it. If it happened under your program, you are the one who ultimately is responsible for what your program does. Um, so as this turns like, as I'm thinking about this, right, I, I, you have to consider the NCAA as an organization. Um, you have to consider, I, there, there's just so many different factors, but from the NCAA as an organization, like, are they an organization that has teeth? And I don't know if that's, I don't know if they do or not. Sure. I, I think they want to have teeth, right? They they want to hold some control over the sport that they ostensibly run. Um, but you see what's happened with, you know, with LSU, with UNC, with other programs, major programs that have had major violations and the punishment has been very little, right? We've had FBI investigations into programs and the punishment's been very little, um, does Michigan or does the NCAA want to make an example of Michigan, especially when you consider that there are other allegations, you know, about the recruiting violations or whatnot, potentially, do they have the, po- the power to do that? I don't know. Um, and then the other perspective is of course, from the Michigan, I guess, fan perspective is it's a bummer that the best time in program history, or at least in modern program history, no matter what happens, Right. No matter what the NCAA does, um, this period will be tainted in some way by these allegations. And from a fan perspective, that's a bummer, um, no matter what the investigation uncovers. Yeah, I think you make some really good points there. I've, I have, as you might expect, living in Columbus, I have quite a few friends who are very big Ohio State fans and I'm in group messages and whatnot. And People have been very angry with me because I've said something similar to what you just said there about the NCAA not having a lot of teeth. Like, to me, A, I think this is going to be drawn out a lot longer than most people expect. Mm. Um, I was listening to the radio this morning and they were talking about, you know, does Harbaugh coach next week um, against, I think it's Purdue that Michigan plays. Yeah. And like, 
I guess the NCAA could act quickly, but if you look at the track record, that's not how it normally happens. Yeah. I mean, if you want to look at how it's supposed to happen, right. Um, the NCAA has to deliver notice of allegations um, to, to the university. Uh, and then the university or the athletic department has 90 days to respond to that notice of allegations. Right. Um, the NCAA, as far as I'm aware, has not delivered a notice of allegations. Um, and once they do, I think, Michigan would probably be smart to take all 90 days sure. uh, as they're coming up with their response. And it's only after that process happens. Uh, and then I believe the NCAA gets a second 90 day period to respond to Michigan's response. And then it goes to the committee of on infractions. Um, so that unless the NCAA wants to overstep its own process, which I'm not saying like, I, I'm, I'm not a lawyer in, in, they're probably not either, quite honestly, but like this is their process, right? Um, and the process has only just begun to carry out. There's no notice of allegations. There's 90 days that Michigan has to respond once there is. Uh, and you, if you forecast out 90 days from today, that's taking you, you know, beyond the regular season for sure and, and into the college football playoff time. So, so I don't know, unless the NCAA does something a little bit unprecedented, that this is punishment immediately it's more looking beyond 2023 right and i think too part of the reason you do that process is because even if something seems very obvious you don't want to get something like this wrong right yeah. you don't want to punish a program you know michigan ohio state lsu you know any of these programs that you we, we could think of that have done that have had issues in the past you don't want to punish them and then a year later realize oh we missed this or <laughs> Oh, this, you know, and you don't want to come to a conclusion that there shouldn't be a punishment or it should be a minor punishment and then find out later that you have to go back and do something even more. And, you know, this is not just a Michigan thing. This is, like I said, any program who commits any sort of violation, you, you want to do your due diligence. And I know people on social media, people on message boards, it's easy to take what's out there and, and you know, accuse. And I think there is some some damning evidence of something for Michigan or, or for Connor Stallions or wh however this falls, but to just decide something quickly and then risk the, it's like with any, you know, that's why you have, uh, you know, things go to court and whatnot in, in a legal sense, because you want to get all the facts and you want to hear both sides and everything. And I think that's important to remember, even in our society where we're quick to jump on, oh, this is clearly what happened type of thing. Um, let me ask you this. What is the feeling... You mentioned earlier your guys' message boards, uh, people thinking maybe this was, uh, you know, this is getting blown. Like, what is the the tenor of things in Ann Arbor right now? Um, tumultuous. I, I don't know if I can really put my finger on any one response, right? Because there's, it, it's it's one of the largest living alumni bases in, in sure. sports and people are going to feel different ways about it. I think there's, you know, there's one sector of of the Michigan fan base that feels um, that feels like Michigan is this shining beacon of responsibility and of doing things the right way. And oh my goodness, like how could we ever do anything remotely close to potentially be cheating, right? I think there's a section of the fan base that feels, you know, thank goodness, man. Like thank goodness that we are. I mean, not that not that we got caught, um, but thank goodness that Michigan is actually trying. Uh, and, and, you know, doing whatever it can to push the boundaries of what's permissible or not to gain a competitive advantage, allegedly. 
uh, and then there's there's a whole bunch in the middle, right? Of, yeah, yeah. of what does this mean for Jim Harbaugh's future? You know, he, he's a guy who you know has looked at the NFL before, has made no secret about his desire to win a Super Bowl. You know, if this is now two different NCAA investigations into his program and uncertainty that's going to affect you know his job stability uh, or his program stability, does he decide this is the right time to make his last gasp effort? And what does that mean for the future of the Michigan program? Um, I mean, I think ultimately, and again, I, I think ultimately for right now, it's a, it's a, a little bit, a little bit of a frustration that there are more allegations that the University of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and the athletic department and the football program cannot respond to, right? When you're the subject of an NCAA investigation, you cannot make public statements about it. Um, so, so there's a lot of not one-sided, but there are a lot of voices and Michigan is not permitted to have a voice uh, in these discussions. Yeah, um, There's the frustration that Michigan is going through an incredible stretch run um, in modern program history with two straight Big Ten championships and a lot of people feeling like this is the year to win a national title for the first time uh, since 1997. And all of a sudden, a, is it going to count? And B, uh, pretty, like it's going to be tarnished one way or the other, right? Because of these allegations. Um, yeah, there's those who are saying it's just a witch hunt. Yeah, it's it's a whole lot of voices. Um, and I think given the nature and the speed at which this has developed, it feels like, you know, twice a day, you know, there's, there's some new bombshell uh, from a different publication. So it's all developing and evolving very quickly. And that leads to a lot of emotional responses. You, you touched on a couple of things I was going to ask you about anyway. So we'll go there. Um, when I had you on before the season, we're talking about Michigan season. We're talking about a lot of different things. I asked you about covering Jim Harbaugh and you talked about like when you were overseas covering the program and getting to sit down with him and things like that. Mm. I also get the sense that there are a good amount of people that just don't like this guy. And I'm not just talking Ohio state fans. I'm just, he's, he's a quirky guy. And I think some of that rubs people the wrong way. Maybe even people within the Michigan program uh, or Michigan family, I guess, not necessarily program. Do you think that, you know, there's, like you said, there's already been talks about him going to the NFL. I mean, do you think that impacts any of this at all that, that there may be kind of this love hate relationship with Jim Harbaugh, if for lack of a better term? Yeah. I mean, I don't know specifics, right. Like about, about this situation, but I mean, listen, when Jim Harbaugh was hired uh, at the University of Michigan, I remember reading a story, I believe it was like in the Sacramento Bee or something like that. Okay. Uh, and and the title, this is just I me mean, totally remembering something from 2014. So it's been like a decade, uh, but it was like, you know, the 10 rules of like dealing with your new Jim Harbaugh. And it was basically that, which is like, he's going to do it his own way. He's going to be you know, he's going to be weird and lovable in some ways and weird and frustrating, you know, sometimes at the very same time, you know, he's going to not always, he's going to have some rough edges that clash with the rest of your institution. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, if it's winning, it's great. And if it's not winning, then that becomes a mess really quickly. Um, because, you know, as, as has been very well documented, right. The end of Jim Harbaugh's tenure at the San Francisco 49ers um, was in large part a clash of personalities. Um, so far, and especially over these last three or so years, it's been, you know, it's been 
it's been great, right? Like Jim Harbaugh is feeling the love from the Michigan fan base. The Michigan fan base, I think, really does uh, appreciate everything that Jim Harbaugh has done for the program and bringing it back to prominence. All that being said, there have been lingering thoughts or questions about what his relationship is like with Michigan's administration, um, including the athletic director, Ward Manuel. Like yeah. those relationships, like that relationship isn't necessarily on the best of terms. Um, so I, I, I mean, that's part of it, right. Is like Jim Harbaugh is someone who's very football minded, um, football minded to a sense that's often a detriment to maybe personal relationships. And when you all of a sudden are dropping two NCAA investigations on top of what already may not be the best relationship with the administration, like, what does that mean for the future? I think that's questions that that every Michigan fan has and is aware of and isn't quite sure what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, you also touched on the success that the program's had the last two years. Ohio state fans, media have naturally drawn the connection to this and the last two years. I think you can't just say that even if everything that's been reported is true, that Michigan had the success it had because of this. Obviously you need talent and you have to execute and you need to be coached and things like that. But how much, if let's just say that what's been reported is true, how much do you view the success of the last couple seasons and potentially this season differently in a, you know, reporter eyes than maybe you would have if this doesn't come out and, and you'd never have to think about, okay, did they know what certain teams were doing in certain situations? It raises questions, right? Um, and I think that's all we can say at this point. I like listen. I've never been. I've never been a head coach or an offensive or defensive coordinator uh, on what on, of a football team. I know. I it, like you look at me. Uh, you see my soccer background. Uh, you know, high school captain man. Like you think, oh, why wasn't this guy fast tracked to a D one football job? Uh, I, shocking, I know. But so 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 all I know is what is what I hear from other people who have been right. And what you hear from coaches is like everyone steals signs, yeah. right. Or everyone, like the vast majority of teams are trying to steal signs um, from the big picture. Like it's legal uh, and it's expected uh, the NCAA a couple of years ago considered removing, you know, the statute that Michigan supposedly violated uh, because they claimed that it was no longer or like that it was a minimal competitive advantage to be pre-scouting um, opponents as Michigan is alleged to have done. Um, there's the, you know, if, if Connor Stallions, you know, if he was true and, and being honest in the fact that he was stealing signs just from the TV and I imagine then like all 22 footage, like that's legal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so how much advantage does Michigan gain from going to scout Georgia five times and going to, to scout Ohio state in person, it's, it's probably not zero, but it's also probably not like as, as bad as, as some people are making it seem right. Um, so it, so I, I don't know the answer, I guess it is my answer, which yeah. is fraud. It, it, does it, does it put an asterisk on things? It, it clouds things. I think a little bit, right. Does does it make a difference if Michigan knows what defense Ohio State's going to run when Hassan Haskins is running for five touchdowns? Like, 
like Michigan threw the ball like four times in the second half against Ohio state in 2021. Right. It's just like, everyone knew it was coming. Ohio state knew it was coming. It still worked. Right. You would much rather, you would much rather win that game and win the big 10 championship and have no cloud, no one casting aspersions over how it happened. Um, and people will now for the rest of time is people will look at the 2021 and 2022 big 10 titles and say asterisk or cheaters or whatever, no matter what this NCAA investigation turns up, right. That there will always be that cloud. Um, so it, I think it, it all comes down to who you ask, because if you look at, you know, Louisville winning the national title over Michigan in basketball in 2013, I believe, and that was vacated. Uh, but you still felt it if you're a fan, right? You still, if you're a player, you still got to lift the trophy. You, you were still, you know, making snow angels on the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium with maize and blue confetti. Like nothing that happens can take that away from you. Um, but at the same time, the the legacy will forever be tarnished and i think the question is you know how, how much is it going to be tarnished because uh that's what the ncaa investigation will, will ultimately kind of decide yeah i i was having a similar conversation with a friend um this morning actually my buddy who's a big buckeye fan who lives in florida and doesn't have the opportunity to talk to people as much now that he lives down there and i was like you will well maybe they vacate wins but like does that matter like, okay, so Ohio State's record against Michigan changes by two games, but everyone watched that game. Michigan fans were happy about it. Ohio State fans were not happy about it. Like, I've never thought that that really is a punishment. Um, you know, I it's a punishment. I guess like it would make Michigan further away from a thousand being the first team to a thousand. That is true. That is true. Michigan was very. They're planning celebrations for. Um, for probably later this year for their thousandth victory. Uh, it could come against Ohio State, right? If it if could Michigan, if Michigan lost to Penn State, yeah, um, or I guess right. to Purdue or to Maryland. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh they, there are celebrations planned. Uh yeah. and if somehow if the wins get vacated, then all of a sudden you have to, you know, put those on pause for maybe a couple years down the road or something. Who knows? Yeah, uh, it'd be funny if they celebrated it once and then celebrated it again. I guess you get two celebrations then. The only team to win a thousand games twice. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool, man. That that's you got to say, make that happen, NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Alejandro. Well, thank you very much. I wanted to get your insight because I knew it would be insightful, first of all, and different than what a lot of uh, we're getting in Columbus and and in Buckeye Nation. I think you brought that. Uh, not that everyone in this chat necessarily agreed with you live, but I didn't expect that. I don't think you did either. But thank oh, you very I much. Didn't see, we had a public chat. Oh That's yeah, great. probably probably for the best. Uh, <laughs> a lot of a lot of what you would expect in there. Uh, but thanks again, and uh, you and I will talk on your weekly podcast Monday, I imagine, and then we. I hope to have you back on here in a few weeks before the game up in Ann Arbor. If the program even exists, right? Because that's true. That's who true. knows? Who knows at this point? Well, regardless, we'll talk that week anyway. Thank you. All right, that was Alejandro Zuniga, who joined us as a part of our twenty four seven Sports Michigan site, the Michigan Insider. Um, they've done a lot of work on this. I uh, I know Ohio State fans aren't clamoring to hear the Michigan side of things, but I do think it's valuable to 
hear kind of the other side of the coin uh, from time to time. So wanted to get Alejandro, and I th- think he brought some stuff. Now let's talk about what people care significantly less about this week, it seems. And this Wisconsin-Ohio State game on Saturday night. And to talk with me about that, Dave Biddle, my buddy from uh, – from, oh, well, we're both from Bucknuts. Uh, Dave, what's going on? Well, it's good to be with you, Patrick. You're right. I mean, like we're all focused on uh, the scandal at Michigan. It's like, but you know, the Buckeyes have to play a decent team. Is Wisconsin a great team? No. Are they even a good team? No, but they don't suck. And if they're ever going to play their A game, it's going to be this week, their place at night, Luke Fickle going against his former team. And they're, you know, they're coming off a really good comeback win over Illinois. So uh, yeah, hopefully the players and coaches are locked in. The fans and media, we can all like be focused on you know, the scandal at Michigan, because it's hella interesting. There's no doubt about it. But uh, hopefully the Buckeyes are focused on the Badgers uh, this Saturday night. Yeah, uh, Alejandro and I just did 30 minutes on that. Uh, I think this was we got up over 300 live viewers while watching this, which probably is a record for the happy hour. So people definitely are interested. I brought up the uh, video that was going in our internal text from Josh Pate's clip today of saying how he went over to the Bucknuts message boards and there were 13 threads about Michigan and one about the Wisconsin game, which I think was actually my story about uh, the Wisconsin game. I don't even think that was something that one of our, one of our readers posted. So, uh, but let's get into it, Dave, just your initial thoughts. You, You just mentioned Wisconsin, not a great program this year, but just your initial thoughts from having watched the Badgers a little bit this year, as you said, first year under Luke Fickle. Yeah, they're, they're getting better, and like I was guilty of this too. When Tanner Mordecai broke his hand against Iowa, they lost that game fifteen to six um, at home. And you're thinking, well, man, now Tanner Mordecai's out. Like, what are they going to do? But it, you look at it, like they weren't playing that well with him. Yeah, he had two good years at SMU. They he wasn't setting the world on fire by any means. Braden Locke then came in, didn't look that good for three quarters, then set the world on fire in the fourth quarter. Um, and we have to, I mean, Braden Locke. I did a little research on this young man. I mean. Same high school as Jackson Smith and Jigba in Texas, yeah. um, and was a you know high four star recruit. Went to Mississippi State last year, redshirted. Um, so you know Luke got a couple of, of transfers, um, you know at the quarterback position, which was good move on his part. And so I don't see like much of a drop off now. Mordecai, six year senior, very experienced. There's that. I mean, Locke's got now one start under his belt. I do think Ohio State can make Wisconsin one dimensional. But Locke's not a joke. That's why I just wanted to point that out. But, you know, um, they're running back Allen, who was great as a true freshman and, and, you know, not quite as good last year, but still good last year. Did not look that good early in the season, Patrick. Um, you know, was a little banged up. He's looked really good these last couple of weeks. I do think this Ohio State defense is elite. They will make them one-dimensional. Um, they'll at least try. I think they will. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, Wisconsin's not a joke. They're not a joke. I know you look at them and they're like, for five and two, you know, but they've lost to two decent teams, Washington State and Iowa. Iowa, at least, a, you know, a really good defense and a terrible yeah. offense. But, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, this is uh, hopefully the Buckeyes are focused on this game because, you know, I, I've been to Camp Randall. I know you have too. I mean, it, it's going to get, especially at night, it's going to get rocking there. Again, this will be their Super Bowl. Um, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but Ohio state, I think their defense is going to make Wisconsin a one dimensional team. Yeah. Ryan day brought it up on the radio show earlier today, not only a nighttime game, he didn't bring up the fickle factor, but I think that's certainly a part of it, but 
Halloween weekend in Madison. And uh, I've been to Halloween weekend in Madison as a college student. Uh, if you've ever been to OU's Halloween weekend, which is a big thing here, it's very similar, but a bigger school. And Which, which one's better? Because I haven't been to Wisconsin's. I've been to OU's. Um, I knew more people, obviously, at OU. I did have a couple friends that went to Wisconsin in college. So I think I had more fun at OU's. But like, if I were a student at Wisconsin, that would – I mean, every weekend in Wisconsin is pretty pretty lit, as the kids say. Um, but that one definitely was – took it to another level. So then you throw in Ohio state coming to town for a night game. They already drink all day for night games. Yes. It's going to be a party in Madison. Um, I asked Ryan day earlier this week, we talked about it a little bit on Tuesday and you just kind of went down this road. Uh, you know, you had that game in, in 2017, was it when they beat Penn state pretty emotional game. Then you go to Iowa and lay a huge egg the next week. I don't know how much you can draw connections, but there is a little bit of similarities, I feel like, between that. You mentioned the Buckeyes being focused. I get the sense that they are in talking to the players that, that we did on Wednesday night and whatnot, but what's your read on kind of what they what they feel like going into this game? Yeah, I mean, they're they're saying the right things. And maybe now that, like, you know, more people are talking about it, you know, Josh Pate's talking about it, we're talking about it. Maybe that, like, if they are listening, if, if the idea is, well, they're, you know, they're paying – too much attention to the media. They're not focused on Wisconsin. I don't, there's probably, you know, even though I mentioned it myself, it, probably too much is being made of that. But if you're going to buy into that philosophy, that means that now if people are talking about maybe Ohio State's not focused, maybe that'll help focus them. It's a lot like going to the Purdue game, Patrick, when all of a sudden like, all the talk was like, Ohio State sucks at Ross State Stadium. Right. And it hit me. I'm like, this is not good for Purdue. All Ohio State's players are hearing is, oh, you guys get your ass kicked when you go to Purdue. I'm like, oh, this is not good for Purdue. And like the only time Ryan Day had been there, you know, he was an assistant coach. They got their ass kicked at Purdue. It's like, oh, boy, this is not going to be good for Purdue. 41 to 7 later, it was not good for Purdue. So uh, hopefully, you know, let's let's keep this going. You know, boys, focus on Wisconsin because Wisconsin, not a great team. They're not a ranked team. Maybe they will be by the end of the year. Um, but they're, they don't suck. I can't, they will play their a game at home at night. So I can't stress that enough. So yeah, you know, Patrick, as you know, I think the players were saying all the right things last night. Yeah. Coach Day's been saying all the right things. I know coach Day's focused on the game, but like getting 85 guys, whatever the travel roster is 70, 74. 68 guys, whatever is 70, 74. getting like all of those guys, like focused on the same goal. These guys are kids. Of course, they're looking. They're just like us. They're like, look at this Michigan stuff. Ha ha. Oh, wow. Now there's a manifesto. Oh, my God. Like, look at that. I mean, if we're doing it, you know, these kids are doing it. So, um, hey, this is on the coaching staff, not just Ryan Day to get these guys laser focused on Wisconsin because Luke will have his guys ready. And I know when I say that people are going to be like, oh, well, they, you know, Luke's going to have his guys ready. Like when they played Cincinnati a few years ago and Ohio State beat them 42 to nothing. I get that. I get that. But like, still, you can't just, that was a noon game, I believe, at Ohio Stadium. This is a night game at Camp Randall. Um, I just hope the Buckeyes are ready because we've seen strange things happen at Camp Randall at night. Yeah. I mean, the last two times Ohio State's been there, I believe it's been to overtime. They lost in 2010. Um, there's been some other close games. Ohio State's actually had some good wins there too, but it's, it's definitely been close at times. Um, let's shift over to Wisconsin's defense because I think that's where if Wisconsin's going to win this game, I think it's because they play really good defense and Ohio State's offense struggles to get going. 
the Badgers defense, pretty good uh, total defense. They're lying 334 yards per game, 39th in the country, 7th in the Big Ten. Pass defense is 29th nationally, 8th in the Big Ten, 196.3. Um, rush defense, similarly ranked. Look, Luke Fickle, we know what he does on the defensive side of the ball. We saw it firsthand in Columbus for years as when he was a coach on this staff. Probably would like to see those numbers be better, but first year, him installing a new defense with them, that that seems to me to be their strength right now. That and maybe the running game. Yeah, I mean, you know, the running game had struggled early, like we were saying, but it, it's picked up. But yeah, the, yeah. the defense um, is good. It's not up to their high standards, and it'll get better. I mean, it's, it's the first year of the Luke Fickle era. Um, you know, Mike Trussell there. They, they, those guys were a great tandem there at Cincinnati. Marcus Freeman was there for a while, too. Mike Trussell has experience as a Big Ten defensive coordinator, you know, at Michigan State. So this is nothing new to him. He's been a defensive coordinator at Michigan State. He was a defensive coordinator at Cincinnati. And now Jim Trestle's nephew, Mike Trestle, um, is the defensive coordinator there. I still think it's probably Luke doing most of the calls, if I had to guess. Right. Um, probably, probably not much of a probably not much of a guess there. Um, I think everybody probably knows that. But, yeah, man, I mean, if you talk to Wisconsin fans and writers, they, they'll say, like, they've been a little disappointed in their front seven this year. They thought the front seven would be better. But – Again, though, I mean, they they've got guys that um, have, I think, have underperformed this year that are not bad players. Again, you've got to prepare for you can't be like, well, I watched them against like Washington State and look what they did like that. That's not going to be what we see Saturday night. Like whoever yeah. that is out there, they're going to they're going to bring it up a notch. And Ohio State has to be ready for that. But but I think this Wisconsin secondary is good. So it's going to be interesting if a Mecca Buka plays for Ohio State, they're definitely going to you know, do whatever they can to slow down Marvin Harrison Jr. But uh, the secondary for Wisconsin, very good. The defense overall, pretty good. The front seven hasn't played all that well yet. But uh, again, they've got some talent up there. One of the things I think we can probably count on, again, something Ryan Day touched on on the radio show, is that Wisconsin will huddle and slow things down. Um, Penn State last week allowed Ohio State to run a season high in offensive snaps. How do you think, you know, if they have that crowd going and they can slow this game down, what kind of impact can that have on maybe maybe not the end result, but maybe what the final score looks like, maybe not being as much as we would predict? Yeah, I mean, just look at the Indiana game and start the season. Yeah. Now, Ohio State's more comfortable now, um, so you'd, you'd hope that wouldn't happen. But Wisconsin, clearly a better team than Indiana. Um, if they come up with the same game plan and execute it, um, that's how Wisconsin can not only stay in this game, but maybe even, you know, pull an upset. I do not think that's going to happen. I wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin stays in this game for the first half and then Ohio State pulls away. I would be shocked if Wisconsin wins, but I will not be surprised if they stay in this game because I think they are going to take a page out of that Indiana playbook. And uh, again, I mean, the Badgers are a better team than the Hoosiers. Again, they're playing at home at night. Yeah, that game was at Indiana, but, uh, you know, that's half Ohio State fans or more in the stands and not at night. This is not going to be half Ohio State fans in the stands. So Buckeye Nation travels. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that will be the game plan for Wisconsin is to run the ball, slow things down, limit the possessions. That tends to equal everything out and um, as much as possible. If you're, you know you're the weaker team, you want to limit possessions as much as possible, then all of a sudden one or two turnovers – one or two big plays can decide the game as opposed to if you're going frenetic and there's a ton of plays that wouldn't have as much of an impact. So I have no doubt they're going to take a page out of what Indiana did and some other teams 
and, uh, you know, trying, you know, Youngstown State knew they had no chance, Patrick, but they still did the same thing, you know, trying to limit uh, just to make the score look good. But uh, Wisconsin's not going to come in here trying to make the score look good. They're going to do that to try and win the game. And Ohio State has to be ready for that. Yeah, I mean, look, Wisconsin, this game is big for them because of the the Big Ten West. And they've already lost to Iowa. They currently are up one game because they've played one more game. But a win here, and, and they're really kind of in the driver's seat the rest of the way. Dave, when I was watching some Wisconsin stuff this week, uh, Luke Fickle in a Wisconsin shirt still looks weird to me. Uh, and I know he was at Cincinnati for quite a few years, and maybe it's just because this is another Big Ten team. But when you see Luke in Wisconsin, do you do, does, does it just throw you off a little bit? It does. He, he does like red. Yeah, it does seem so. Right? Um, I mean, hopefully he's a Reds fan. I guess if he, even if he's a Guardians fan, uh, it wouldn't matter. Um, but seriously, like he goes from Ohio State to Cincinnati to Wisconsin. I will say this. If it was straight from Ohio State to Wisconsin, it would be a lot weirder. But, yeah, it's still weird. Um, and I didn't see this coming. You know, I thought, you know, obviously he did great things at Cincinnati, and I knew he was, um, you know, headed for a Power 5 job. I didn't see Wisconsin coming at all. So, it's definitely weird, especially if you look back on his career. I mean, he had battles like battle royales with Wisconsin, like yeah. as a player at Ohio State, 93, the tie in Madison. Um, you know, like, you know, there, I mean, even 96, I mean, Wisconsin with, with true freshman Ron Dane, they get up um, at Ohio Stadium, takes a uh, Demetrius Stanley late touchdown, made D rest in peace. Uh, Demetrius Stanley touchdown there at Ohio Stadium in 96, Luke's senior year. Um, you know, it's weird because Wisconsin at that time, and still to an extent, even though Ohio State's won nine games, other than the obvious ones, obviously Michigan is the rival, and there's like Penn State is I mean, Wisconsin was right there. They still kind yeah. of are. Like there's like there's like obviously Michigan, and there's Penn State, and then it's like who's the next? It, it was definitely Wisconsin for a while, definitely, because the only Big Ten coach to ever have a winning record against Jim Tressel, Barry Alvarez. Uh trivia question there. So um it is strange, man. It is strange. I didn't see it coming, but uh, I will say this. When they're not playing Ohio State, I'm now a Wisconsin Badger fan because I've always loved Luke Fickle. I've always loved Luke Fickle, so uh, not this Saturday. I won't love Luke Fickle, but, uh, but yeah, it is weird. No doubt about it. All right, last thing. Uh, just kind of looking at the Big Ten West just in general, obviously doesn't have the same kind of cachet teams as the Big Ten East. But how do you think this plays out on that side of the coin? Who represents that side of conference in the in the championship game? Wow, I, I haven't really looked at the uh, tiebreakers. I guess, man, they they could have really locked it up if that punt didn't get uh, called back. Just yeah. because they have the tiebreaker, assuming I mean, I'm, I'm presuming Ohio State's going to win this game. I think Ohio State will. Um, uh, I, again, I think Wisconsin, you know, has a good chance of keeping this close, but I think Ohio State's going to win. And then Iowa has the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. So I'll go with Iowa. Don't rule out Minnesota. Even though Minnesota has to come to Columbus and play Ohio State, they wish that that wasn't the case. How about Minnesota's crossover games this year? Michigan and Ohio State and whoever. I don't know whoever. It doesn't even matter after that. You're, right. you know, you're playing Michigan and Ohio State. It would be hilarious if Michigan's cross or uh, Minnesota's crossover games were Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. Um, probably not. But anyway, I will go with Iowa just because they own the tiebreaker over Wisconsin. But um, – I think Wisconsin actually is a better team. And again, I can't stress this enough. This Braden Locke kid, let's not overlook him. He's not a scrub. He's a redshirt freshman. Nobody knows anything about him, but he seems like he's like at least a decent quarterback to me. 
Yeah. Uh, Minnesota's third crossover game is Michigan state. So they get, they get a little bit of a break there or they, yeah, it's this weekend. So they'll get a little bit of a break there against the Spartans. You would think. All right, Dave, thank you very much for jumping on. Uh, your Badger insight as a Bucknuts writer was great, so I appreciate it. Hey, I follow, you know, the rest of the Big Ten. I always have. Like, I like try to watch as much Big Ten as I can. I know it's, you know, I don't even get people on Twitter like, why are you watching that game? There's like <laughs> six better games that are on. I get that a lot. I'm like, I know. I know. I mean, I flip back and forth. It's not like I ignore the rest of college football, but I am a bit, a bit of a Big Ten junkie. So, uh, Patrick, I appreciate you having me on, sir. Good stuff out of you. The Bucknuts Happy Hour continues to grow. Um, you're the man, Patrick. Appreciate right. you, my Thanks. friend. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That was Dave Biddle from our Bucknuts 247 site. Um, if you want more Dave, he will be the host of the Bucknuts Morning 5 on Friday morning. And then Saturday night, if you uh, are feeling like staying up a little late after the game, continuing to either bask in the glow the way we think it'll go or be really disappointed, uh, Dave will have the What We Learned Live immediately after the game. Uh, he'll, I think he's usually joined by Bill Kerlick. Um, I don't really know what he does before Steve and I jump on after the post-game interview, but Always a good show, and uh, we'll, we'll be talking some Buckeyes and Badgers post-game there if you need more Biddle in your life. A um, couple questions I saw pop up, and if there were more and I missed them, I'm sorry, but um, there were a couple ones that I noticed in here that I wanted to answer real quickly. The first one's from Bobby McCormick the fourth. Patrick, do you think Mich what Michigan did is worse than Tattoo Gate? Um, I've talked about this before on here. The I think I – think Given what we know now about college football and NIL and everything, Tattoo Gate just seems so ridiculous. Um, I had Devere Posey on here before the season, and he was obviously involved with that. Talked about how you know he didn't even feel like that was the worst thing people were doing uh, on that Ohio State team that year in terms of things that were against NCAA rules, and that was stuff that everyone was doing. So, yeah, I mean, I think – Look, unless you can prove down the road that a bunch of other teams were doing what Michigan has been accused of doing with the sign stealing and the way that they were stealing signs, I certainly think that this is worse than, than Tattoo Gate. Will the punishment fit the crime? We'll see. As I said earlier, I am skeptical of what the NCAA um, will do here. I just I've learned not to trust the NCAA to dish out appropriate punishment, and I think people will end up. Um, being a little bit more disappointed than at least you're, if you're not a Michigan fan, but that's just my opinion. We'll see what happens. Uh, other question from Bryce Shump. Do you think Keinholt, Lincoln Keenholz or Aaron Nolan will be the starter next year if they come and outperform McCord? Uh, I don't. I think Kyle will, assuming he chooses to come back, which I certainly think he will at this point. Um, I think he will maintain this job, assuming health. Look, I think Kyle's gotten better and better. Um, I've had this like idea in the back of my head, kind of looking at first-year quarterbacks, um, first-year starting quarterbacks, excuse me, that like the numbers and how it compares to what McCord's done this year. Because I think Ohio State fans, um, Ohio State media, in, you can include them as well, have been a little bit spoiled and I mean this in a positive way with Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud, 
guys that all were able to come in and pretty quickly in their first year really get things rolling. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, all three actually were, were Heisman Trophy finalists that first year. Justin Fields wasn't his second year, more so because of the COVID pandemic and and what happened. He still had a great season, obviously getting the Buckeyes to the national title game. So like, I think Ohio State fans are a little bit, you know, they've seen how great some quarterbacks can be early on. And that's just not the the way it normally goes. Usually there are some growing pains. And I think you've seen that with Kyle at times. Um, I think you've also seen the ceiling of Kyle McCord and kind of what he can do when he's not, I guess, thinking so much. I don't know. There, There's these like peaks and valleys of Kyle and, you know, the, the end of game situations like at Notre Dame. Um, he made some big throws when they needed it against Penn State. He's made big throws in other games too, but um, you know, if you can get that consistently out of him, I think he's really good and, and on par with the other guys. So, um, you know, I think Lincoln Keenholz, they really like what they've got from him. You've heard um, some discussion this week about who's the number two now that Devin Brown's out. Aaron Nolan, from the, the bits and pieces I've seen of him, I really like what he's going to bring. It's going to be weird seeing a left-handed quarterback one day play for Ohio State. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I, I think Kyle will continue to get better. I think year two of Kyle McCord as Ohio State's starting quarterback has the poss- possibility to be really good. So, no, I, I just don't think that they're going to start either of those guys. Don't forget there's still Devin Brown, who I know there's speculation about would he transfer if Kyle comes back. You know, I'm not going to go down that road, but he's still certainly uh, part of the mix here. Um, so those were the couple questions I saw pop up. We're going to wrap this up with the way we have each of the last several weeks in the what you will be reading segment. Basically just what the headlines will be. This should be Sunday morning because of uh, the night game. Um, about the Buckeyes after this game against Wisconsin. Um, I think it will be something along the lines of Buckeyes survive early scare, pull away from Badgers to move to 8-0. Uh, for me, I think that's how this game's going to go. I think it would not surprise me if, if this will be the most hostile environment that anyone who didn't play in that Penn State game will have have played in. Steve Hellwagon and I on um, the Bucknuts Instant Reaction on Tuesday kind of ranked the atmospheres of Big Ten stadiums, and we both agreed Penn State's one, especially for the whiteout, and Wisconsin, when it gets going, is uh, is certainly – right up there as a number two. Uh, the I think this atmosphere could affect Ohio State a little bit early, maybe allow the Buckeye or the Badgers, excuse me, to get off to a bit of a, a quick start and you know, put a little bit of a scare in Ohio State. But I think ultimately Buckeyes will be too much for the Badgers and, and pull away and win the game. So survive scare, move to eight and no, I think will be what you are reading on Sunday morning. Uh, and I apologize JVM 1341. I did see your, your question about my drink. Uh, today was just Bud Light. It was uh, actually a leftover case of Bud Light from a football tail, an NFL football tailgate. It was just what was left in my fridge with these next two weekends being on the road, Wisconsin and at Rutgers. Um, I don't have the fridge as stocked as I do for uh, other games. So I just kind of grabbed was in there. A couple of predictions I see getting thrown here. We'll touch on these. Doug Shepard, Ohio State 54, Wisconsin 9. That's a, that's a big one there. Um, Matt 
Rennells, I think. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Buckeyes, 27 to 13. JVM says 38-10. Um, there's probably a couple more in there that I missed. Anyway, we're going to get out of here. As I said, there will be the Bucknotes Morning 5 tomorrow, Monday or Friday, excuse me, and then we'll be on the What We Learned Live. Heath, our guy, Ohio State 32, Wisconsin 12. There you go. Um, and plenty more. I still have a few more things. Rick Morris. OSU 41-14. Um, a few more things I'm writing this week. Hope to get some stuff done today and tomorrow. Um, as we travel to Wisconsin, Steve Hellwagon and I will be there live. Having We'll, we'll hope to have a, a good Friday night in Madison, Wisconsin. 30-13 um, from Cliff. So anyway, we will talk to you guys soon. Please stay tuned to Bucknuts. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. It helps us all out. Cheers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.